Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode is a keynote speaker who has an uncanny ability to connect with audiences of all backgrounds through humor, timeless wisdom, and an infectious energy. He draws upon his lessons learned as a coach and an entrepreneur, the people he meets, and the teams he serves. His first book, co-authored with best-selling author Damon West, who you can catch in episode 35 of the Elevate podcast, is called The Locker Room, How Great Teams Heal Hurts, Overcome Adversity, and Build Unity. The book releases on May 10th. You can pre-order it on the link that we have connected here. Welcome to the Elevate podcast, Mr. Stephen Mackey. Coach Mackey, how are you doing today? I'm great, brother, man. Glad to be with you today. Thanks for making it happen. Yeah, excited to have you on the podcast. Like I was telling you before, I've seen you on Twitter out sharing good words and inspiring coaches and kids all over the place and excited to have you on. You've got a, a new book that I'm pumped to read. Um, it's called The Locker Room. And Tell me one thing. I know you talk about it in the book, but why does America need a locker room, man? <laughs> Yeah. So the, you know, the locker room is a story. It's a teaching, a teaching story that on its surface is about a a football team who at the biggest moment of their season faces their biggest adversity. Uh, And, and I think that's something that we can all relate to whether we've ever played sports or not, that it seems like uh, right before the biggest meeting, the night before your kids are up all night uh, throwing up. It's right before the biggest sale, right before the biggest moments, the biggest adversity comes. Uh, and sometimes those adversities, like kids getting sick, well, they happen because they just do, and that's life. Uh, but the adversity that happens in the locker room, well, it's one that happens because of choices that players and coaches make. And so I like to say that, that though on the surface, it's a story about a team who's facing adversity in their season, under the surface, when you get to the heart of the story, it's a story about a team and a group of people who took their eyes off their core values and adversity and hurt and conflict follow. So I'm telling you, Bum, anytime you take your eyes off your core values, adversity, conflict, and hurt will always follow. Yeah. And so when we ask the question, well, why does America need a locker room? Well, I think that in some ways we've taken our eyes off our core values. Mm-hmm. The sense that we are stronger together than we are apart. Um, that I don't have to dive in deep as to why yeah, and how yeah. divided, you know, it, it doesn't matter what the issue is. It's like, Hey, let's, let's talk about you like chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream. Well, you know, we're going to find a way to get divided <laughs> over that. Never mind the fact that ice cream is just good. Doesn't matter what flavor it is. Right. But it's a sense that in a locker room, people from all different backgrounds, all different hurts, hangups, histories, they all come together for one common goal. And that's the miracle of a locker room, that nobody cares where you're from, which they don't care. They don't hold any of that against you. In fact, that diversity becomes a strength. And they say, look, as long as you're committed to this one common goal, the best of me for the best of you, the best of you for the best of me, then, hey, let's giddy up and go. 
and, and I think that that uh, that we've lost sight of that um, mm. in a lot of places. And so, if America had a place, a locker room, where we could come together and go, look, your success is my success. Hey, making a mistake doesn't make you a mistake. Yeah. Um, we can come together and go, hey, we're we're in this together, and we're stronger because of it. Uh, I think we'd all be better off. I think, I mean, one of the things I've heard you kind of talk about, it but makes me think, you know, I feel like sometimes even from growing up into my neighborhood now, like we all live in our lockers. Like I don't even know a couple of my neighbors, which is weird. <laughs> like, yeah. but even the opportunity to like, Hey, like, who are you? <laughs> nice to meet. It, it, it really is. It's, it's almost gotten weird to step out of our digital echo chambers and into <laughs> like these physical spaces where it's like my wife will joke. We, we RV quite a bit. And, awesome. uh, and she jokes and she says, like, when you get on the RV, it's like you become another person. Like, you just want to talk to everybody about everything. And I'm like, man, these folks are like, hey, we got the RV connection. Yeah. And who knows what I might learn from them? Yeah. What interesting people might be sitting literally 20 feet away from us? Yeah. Why not have a conversation? Why not see the best in people? And I think in a lot of ways, one of the reasons why we don't have a lot of these, you know, we don't talk to our neighbors, we, we get isolated yeah. is because we somehow taught ourselves to see the worst in other people mm -hmm. instead of the best. No uh, and, and in this really messed up way, we look for what's wrong in other people so we can feel better about ourselves. Yeah, it's messed up. Like, hey, I might sure, not be sure. where I want to be, but at least I'm better than them. Right, you know, right, yeah. and it's, and it's really messed up. Um, and, and when we start to view people like that, uh, not only does it obviously change how we see them, but really, it starts to change how we see us because we can't if we can't see the best in others, how are we gonna see the best in ourselves? Yeah, uh, if we can't see the best in ourselves, how are we gonna see the best in others? And, uh, and so just this sense of, hey, what if I chose to see the best in you? instead of the worst like, no, no. what if i chose not to judge you by your action or your intentions or your actions but what if i like took into consideration some intentions yeah you know for um, sure and and said so, like hey what if what if i could actually learn something from you uh, but to do that takes some humility and grace that's one of the things we talk about in the book you uh if you if you missed uh john gordon's uh power of positivity summit Coach Mackey had a, a great uh, section in there. I think you can still go and pay for it and check it out. But uh, talk about, you do talk about humility and grace in that. And I think it's two ingredients that, man, when you mix them together, you know, something good happens, but a lot of times we're afraid to put them in the, put them in the mix. Yeah, right. And, and, and those aren't, for lots of reasons, right? They're not exactly the first two words that come to mind when you think about building a great team. They're not the first two words that come to mind when you think about reaching goals, right? Those are, those are things like humility is kind of like meekness, which rhymes with weakness, and there's no place for that in, in our ascent to the top. Right, right. But this, this, I, this core value, this pillar of my life, this thing that I've seen true again and again and again, and no matter where I look at it, I can't get past it, is just this upside down truth that you never lose helping other people win. Um, I think it was Zig Ziglar I first heard say that. Uh, but you'll never lose helping other people win. But to do that, uh, well, it's going to require humility and grace. And humility and grace say that I know who I am, so I don't have to prove who I am. Therefore, I can go and serve other people. Um, but when you lack humility and you don't know who you are and there's that insecurity, well, then out of that insecurity, you can't help 
but think about how it's going to affect you. Um, you can't say the best of me for the best of you, right? Because you're saving the best of you for the best of you, uh, the best, you know, best of me. And so um, it's this sense of like, when I'm insecure, I can't be confident. Uh, when I'm insecure, uh, when I lack humility, I have to peacock around and prove who I am to people. Like, I, I, can't, I can't listen more than I talk. Two ears and one mouth for a reason, mama told me. I can't yeah. listen to other people because I have to talk to let them know just how special I am, uh, how right I am. Um, and that insecurity um, leads us to a place of rather than serving people, um, either ignoring them or using them or devaluing them. But when we step back and say, look, I know who I am. I'm grounded in my core values, whether that comes from your faith, whether that comes from the, the, the mentors and the coaches you look up to, whether that comes from your team, when you, when you know who you are and it's grounded in your core value, you don't have to prove it. You don't have to prove it. You can go and serve. And then that posturing changes. Because then when you find people who maybe have a radically different point of view than you, um, rather than having to go in and prove that you're right or argue through a conversation with them, that you can have some empathy and you can listen to them and have a conversation with them and hear about them as a human, right? As a person. Uh, and there's this powerful story we tell in the book um, about what happens when the team sits down and finally listens to one another. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times that I've talked with people who had a radically different view about something than I did. And I thought I was, I was really, really in the right sure. about my perspective. But once I sat down and listened and heard their story, how my desire for rightness was washed away by empathy. And I began to understand more of what they were walking through, why they felt. And I had a higher respect for them, even if it didn't change my mind. Right. Um, but to get there, like you, you've got to be humble enough to go, I don't have to prove that I'm right. And I can serve you enough to listen with my ears, listen with my heart, listen with my body language, and not just rush to get a word in. I think there's, like you're, you're kind of talking about before, it's like we, we all have a different path. We all have a different journey that leads us to our thoughts, our beliefs. And I think it's just, it, I think it's fascinating just to understand sometimes like, Tell me about your path. How did you get to that point? I'm, but we're not jumping on everyone's path. <laughs> like yeah. you still got to live yours. Like, but it is fascinating and it'll help shape your path if you just understand how they got on theirs. That's and, right. And so, you know, and, and I think that's the thing that, you know, as we're talking about how do we heal hurts and overcome adversity and build unity. Uh, it's a cliche phrase that, that I heard a long time ago, but I, I think it's really instructive uh, that, United doesn't mean uniform. Uh, that to be united doesn't mean that we all have to look the same, be the same. Right. Uh, you know, and especially in athletics, you'll hear, you know, folks say, oh, well, hey, I don't see anything but the, but the Navy of your jersey. I don't see anything but the, you know, whatever your mascot is. Uh, and, and, the, and, and the intention behind that and, and the, the, the best thought behind that is like, hey, we're all together in the same. Uh, but I think that we actually miss something when when you only see the color of the jersey uh, and you mute the uniqueness of each person whether that uniqueness is their ethnic uniqueness or their racial or their family history or their culture 
uh, or just their personality. You know, um, can't tell you the number of guys who on the surface look like these big bad bruisers and like you yeah. sit down and talk with them and like, bro, they're into Harry Potter and like, they're just like, you know, uh, Hufflepuff and all of this, you know, but uh, to, to, to turn down the volume on the uniqueness or the diversity um, in all facets, again, not just color of skin diversity, but diversity in all, it's all the things that make us, us, yeah. turn the volume down and say, I only see the color of your jersey. Uh, well, you, you, you were, therefore, you're not allowed to bring the fullness of yourself to that team. You turn the volume down, they're only bringing 60% of themselves. And so even if they brought 100% of their 60, there's 40% of them that they're not able to bring to the team. And so when we say diversity is a strength, uh, what we mean by that is to say that what makes you, you, and what makes me, me, uh, is what's going to make us, us. And we got to bring all of that. We're not going to look the same. We're not going to be uniform, but because we have one common goal, we can be united because we are willing to listen, right? We can have empathy and that empathy can help lead the healing hurts and the process of walking through the difficult things and getting through that adversity together, right? That, that, builds, that builds a unity that's sustainable. Yeah. One thing you made me think of before when you're talking about the insecurities, and I think one of the, working with student athletes, especially in high school and talking to coaches, you see the collision of this. And I think I, even myself, I think I was, I was a talented athlete. I was then put on a pedestal. Then I was told to lead and inside I was in, insecure as shit. <laughs> like, like what? Like I trouble, I'm troubled myself. And now because I'm good at this, I'm supposed to lead. And I think there's a lot of kids that get that idea of leadership put on them when they're just trying to still figure out how to lead themselves as an adolescent. So how, what, what's sure, one way to yeah, kind of crack into that egg? <laughs> yeah. So I was talking with a, a young lady. Uh, she goes to a, a big school down here in, in a big city here in Texas. And, uh, and she said, you know, I keep getting told that I'm a leader because I'm really good at sports because I'm smart. Uh, you know, because my friends listen to me. Uh, but nobody's taught me how to be a leader and it's really overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that if we were to look at it like this, if you, you know, if you were to take somebody who had a good uh, a player, had a good body frame, was fast, was strong, but had never played football and you stuck them on the fields, you played safety. You said, all right, man, I want you to go play safety. Would you expect them to automatically be successful? <laughs> No. Like, of course not. Like, but dude, you got the body frame, you got the speed, you got the athleticism, right? But you never taught them how to play safety. And so they're not going to be successful at it. The same thing is true with leadership, that it's a skill that's developed just like anything else. Sure, kids are going to have natural charisma and there should be some natural things about kids. But just like having natural speed or natural size doesn't make you a great football player, Having natural charisma or influence isn't going to make you a great leader. It's a skill that's got to be taught just like anything else. And so, you know, as you are coaching up kids or you're leading in an organization, uh, in some ways you have to define the leadership style that you want uh, to, to be implemented in your team. And so, uh, again, that's where you've got to come back first, though, to your core values and to understand what your core values are. Uh, in the book, we talk about uh, the six pillars, tough people win, integrity over everything, 
Growth follows belief, excellence everywhere, relentless effort and service before self. Uh, now, those are by no means the best six. Uh, they're my six, and therefore <laughs> they ended up being the team six. Okay. Uh, but uh, part of the reason that we, we did choose those was because felt like they were high enough up that no matter what your values are, that they, you, could, you could kind of see, oh, yeah, we say it like yeah. this, we say it like that. But knowing your core values and, and then defining leadership through those values right, allows your leaders to be raised up in alignment with your core values. Because again, once you start living outside of that, adversity, conflict, and hurt is going to follow. Um, and so you can do simple things like saying, hey, this is the attitude of a leader. This is the work ethic of a leader. Just adding that simple phrase of a leader in your everyday conversation with, with, with young people, it gives them something to hold on to while, the, while, the, while they're still getting their bearings. You can go, hey, you tell me I'm a leader, all right? But, and then you said that this is the effort of a leader. So if I'm going to be the leader, you tell me, I, I got to go give effort like this. Yeah. And you're not changing it. It's just a simple phrasing that you're adding. That's one way. Um, you know, the, the formula that, that we use uh, as we work with teams across the state and across the country, um, specifically with coaches, um, is we say, you know, you've got to model, teach, test, and reward um, for the leadership traits that you want. So yeah. you know, starting with your core values, you've got to model those out. Don't tell me that you're a servant leader while you're, you're dictating to everybody else and refusing to go and serve. They've got to see it in you. Kids today, um, sniff out authenticity, maybe better than anyone else. Real quick. Um, and so if you're not genuine and, and authentic about what you're saying, they're going to sniff it out and they'll know. Um, so you've got to model it. Uh, but modeling only does so much. You also have to teach. Uh, and I say it like this, I could watch Michael Phelps win gold medals all day long. Uh, but the moment my 290 pound half black self jumps in the pool, I'm going to sink <laughs> to the bottom. Why? Because nobody taught me how to swim. <laughs> okay. And so uh, having the best models don't do, doesn't do very much for you if you're not taught. Right. And then what you teach, right, then you've got to test uh, because your teaching is only as good as it is received. And so that test comes in and you put them in opportunities, safe spaces uh, to, to make choices, um, give them opportunities. Don't let them, don't let their leadership, especially for young people, uh, but for anyone, don't let their leadership simply be a, a, a for show thing. Oh, hey, I have you on this, I have you on this council or on this advisory committee, uh, but really I just have it so that it looks like I'm getting feedback, but the whole time we're doing what I want anyways. Um, give them, give them meaningful opportunities um, to lead. And then yeah. if they do it wrong, guess what? We start over, keep modeling, reteach, retest. They get it. And then when they get it right, then we reward, right? Because what gets rewarded gets repeated. And so then there needs to be genuine celebration and elevation um, of, of, of passing that test. And so those are, those are two things we're going to crack the egg. I would say just in your language, start talking about this is what a leader does of a leader, simple phrase. Uh, and then um, think about that model, teach, test, and reward um, framework uh, for, the, for the ideas that you want to teach on leadership that are in line with your core values. Love it. Well, I, uh, I know my high school self definitely wishes you came through my gym to uh, get my insecure self into a, a little bit better spot back then. But um, yeah, well, let's talk, let's talk about insecurity, right? And, and, and maybe specifically about like identity. Yeah. Right. 
because you said before, maybe is before we started recording, but like, yeah. hey, five years after playing ball, uh, like I, I had this identity crisis because, you know, I, I thought like my identity was wrapped up in how good I was at sports. Yeah. Um, and now I'm not doing that anymore. And now who am I? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and this is an idea that's, that's called performance-based identity. And it's the sense that my value, my worth, the who I am-ness is contingent upon my performance. And so long as I perform really well, uh, then I'm confident and self-assured and all of this. But the moment that that's taken away by injury, taken away by loss, taken away by poor performance, or by the end of a career, then you start to tank. And, and you see it with a lot of players. It's just that they're these up and down roller coasters. Um, and, and it's the sense that my life and my value and my worth is contingent on my performance. Yeah. Uh, and this way of living, it's, it's like being on a tightrope. Uh, no, and there's no net underneath you. And, and you got, because you had talent, because you had people cheering you on, uh, because your parents were encouraging you, oh, well, if you want to play baseball, then we'll sign you up for this and we'll get you this stuff and all this equipment. And, and it's the best of intentions, but like unintentionally, you're funneling them into a tightrope. Uh, and no matter what they do, they get to the spot and yeah. they get about halfway out there. And it feels like I can't go back. I'm too afraid to go forward and I'm stuck. And, and I'm telling you, boss, it messes a lot of kids up yeah. uh, you know, with mental, m- mentally, the anxiety of performance, uh, the depression of what that follows uh, when you don't live into it. Uh, and, and a guy named Benjamin Holtberg, a researcher, uh, he contrasts this idea of performance-based identity with purpose-based identity. Uh, this sense that who you are is grounded in something deeper and not shaking like performance, uh, that it's grounded in, uh, in either your faith or your core values, uh, in, in, in this, this self-worth that comes from something besides performance. Um, and that when we can equip young people and old people, let's be honest, because I'm just as guilty of it here with the gray and the beard as, at, at times as I was then, uh, when we can equip people to be grounded and define their identity, value, and worth grounded in their core values, uh, then all of a sudden, rather than being on a tightrope, it's like you get opened up into the autobahn, and you're, yeah. you're able to just race, boy, and, you, and you're driving a, a sports car down the autobahn, and it's open highway, um, and you can switch lanes a little bit. Think about what a gift that is for young people, that you don't have to stay in the baseball lane or the softball lane right. or the volleyball lane. That hey, if you want to if you want to drift over here into the theater lane, then guess what? You can go over here to the theater lane, and then when you're ready, you can come back or you can stay. Like okay. it's this sense of you have options and freedom, and to make a choice isn't going to threaten your value and your worth. Okay. Uh, that's the power um, of of knowing your core values. It's no the doubt. power of staying focused and living on that. Um, and, and so, you know, that's a specific example, but really it's the same, it's the same issue uh, that we write about in the locker room mm-hmm. that, that we lost sight. Uh, the phrase we use is took your eyes off the prize uh, and, and lost sight of the thing that mattered most. And then everything started falling apart. Uh, two more questions to wrap up. One, if uh, 
give Coach Mackey a magic wand. And with your magical wave of that wand, every student athlete across the country, across the globe, wakes up with a new skill encoded into them as a student athlete. What are they waking up with tomorrow? Boss, I would say they'd wake up and be elite encouragers. They would be legitimate, the best encouragers uh, that could be there. They would give encouragements that are uh, genuine and specific and truthful, um, and they would be eager to do it. Um, and the reason that I say that is in working with athletes across the country, working with coaches, uh, I mentioned it earlier, but the sense of I have to put, I have to put others down to feel better about me. Or a praise for them means there's one less praise for me. Or anything that causes them to move forward causes me to go backwards. That mindset, that zero-sum, tit-for-tat mindset uh, leads to jealousy and envy and division and confusion. And, and ultimately, it keeps individuals and it keeps teams from reaching their goals. Yeah. But if you contrast that and say, what if we were like elite encouragers, like people that just were like so perceptive and so interested in others that we didn't just compliment, oh, hey, I really like that sweater, <laughs> right? But instead, like we saw in them the effort and even a little bit of the fear that they overcame to put themselves out there and to try and say, hey, I just, I just want you to know, like, I, I saw you raise your hand in class and make that comment. And like, that's the first time I've seen you do that. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud. Like, thanks for saying that because, you know, I had the same thing and I was afraid, I was afraid to say something about it. Yeah. And you become the kind of person that does that every day. Uh, then what begins to happen is people start to go, hey, I like to be me when I'm with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like whenever I'm around you, like the positivity and the encouragement, like I just feel better about me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hang out with you more. Right. right. And then what's going to begin to happen. One is people are going to start following you, become a leader. And two, uh, that encouragement is going to be contagious. Yeah. Uh, positivity is contagious. So is neg negativity. Um, seeing the best in people is contagious. So is seeing the worst in other people. Yeah. Uh, and in seeing the best in other people, uh, letting that become contagious then you get competitive and, and now you're not competing uh, because you need to beat the other person. You're competing because you both want to be your best. Yeah. Um, and when teams are doing that, then it really doesn't matter what comes up your way. You find a way through it. I mean, if every athlete woke up with that, I mean, all the coaches and teams listening, what would your school and locker room look like if, if they just came in with that encouragement? I think I love that. Um, and I, there's a study they did, uh, years ago on popularity with thousands of high school kids. And I think uh, basically what they found out is that, well, they had the kids make a list at their school, right? And uh, they basically said, name all the kids you like. Kids made a list. You had to know their name. Like, not your bestie, not your whatever, just no like. And then they like went and did surveying of all the people that interacted with these students. And then they just got details. And basically when they looked at everything that they did, it came down to, the kids that had the longest list were the most popular. That's, that's just math, right? They knew, engaged with, liked the most people. They knew the most names. <laughs> they liked people. People knew them. It was just a math problem. It wasn't a, a coolness or a status thing. And then the other simple thing is everyone said they smiled at people. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, so I think it, it, sometimes it, just a smile opens that gateway. You know, maybe we don't know what to say to be elite encouragers, but we all can smile. That's it. Right. That's like, it. You know, and, and again, you think about the three kind of the three things about an encouragement. Be genuine. Like, do you really mean what you're about to say? Do you really mean what you're about to do? Yeah. Be specific. And that specific can be something as like you perceive something over time. It can be something as specific as, hey, thanks for smiling at me. Like just this, it, rather than this generic, hey, great job. Great job yeah. at what? Like just a simple specific. And then let it be true. Like, hey, don't, don't tell somebody, hey, man, you're looking great today. When you know and they know they're not looking great today. <laughs> you're right. Just tell them the truth. Yeah. You know, and, and, and those things, they require so little talent, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, they just require a sense of, I'm going to care about another person. Uh, yeah. And and that's that doesn't take much. Smile, high five, handshake. Doesn't take much. Last last question. If uh, put Coach Mackey into a time machine, sent you back into a locker room, and you get to give 16-year-old self a piece of advice from your journey and your experiences, what would you tell 16-year-old you as you embark on the teenage journey? <laughs> yeah. I think the, uh, the advice I'd give to 16-year-old Mackie, uh, or middle school Mackie, <laughs> uh, is, is I would say, uh, I would say that, that what you're doing is never really about what you're doing mm-hmm. um, alone. It's also about what you will do one day. Yeah. Uh, that that there's an immediate reward and there's an immediate consequence, but there's also a future one. Uh, ev- everything is cumulative, um, and and specifically, I would think about um, you know, learning to study. Um, that it's really like, hey, I got the right grade, and I didn't have to study, so I'm good, right? Uh, but to go, no, it's, it's not really about the grade. It's about learning how to learn, you know, Hey, it's, it's not about, um, you know, that this, this season or this thing is really hard. Um, it's about, it's about the resilience that you're building and what you're training in your mind and in your heart and your body, um, down the road. So as I say, Hey, it's never about just this. Um, it's not just about this reward or this confidence. It's all uh, consequence. It's also about the future reward, the potential future consequence. listening if something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode we would love your help spreading the elevate message you can find me on instagram at elevate educate rejuvenate that's with the numeral instead of the ate thank you again and if i can help you with anything please reach out and don't forget go elevate others